Welcome to Upshift, the No Direction Network's Essence 20 podcast, where every two weeks we give you an edge on Essence 20. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Costello. I was an author on the G.I. Joe Transformers and My Little Pony role-playing games and one of the designers of the Essence 20 system. Hi, and I'm Jason Keeley, uh, Renegade Game Studios RPG developer. So I work on all of these books. Well, most of these books, I should say. You know what we don't work on, Jason? What's that? Star Wars. We don't work on that's true. We don't work on any any form of Star Wars role playing game or media or licensed property of any kind. I'm just double checking in my head. It's like no, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never officially worked on. Star I said Wars. that. I said that with such specificity. People yeah. think that we might be working on something. Oh yeah, yeah. Wars just thing. to be clear, we are. We, no, <laughs> no, no, somebody no, else no. has the license. I think Fantasy Flight. Uh, they don't think they have that anymore. Okay, well, we don't have I it. Don't just, know. Yeah. Yeah, just to put that sure. out there. We're bringing up yeah. Star Wars because today's topic, which is planning story arcs, was inspired by Andor, which recently came to an end on Disney+. And I was really impressed with how it handled story arcs. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it's a great series. I, I want to talk a little bit about it right now. And then I want to pause the banter to have the episode. Mm-hmm. And then whatever time we have left, I'd like to go back to just have an Andor conversation at the end in Banter sure. Part 2. Yes, that sounds good. That sounds good. What did you like about Andor? I uh, I guess I guess I've been a little burnt out on Star Wars things lately, mm-hmm. and so watching that, uh, watching from the beginning, I was like, well, this could be kind of any fun sci-fi world, right? And it just it felt so removed from Star Wars as it currently sits in a way, uh, uh, but still, and then it kind of filtered in these little star wars bits here and there right you know recognizable names and 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 uh faces that i was kind of you know like, oh yeah okay oh no now i like i i i'm excited about star wars again yeah like when the biggest established character in the whole series is mon mothma like mm. mon mothma is not a selling point she just shows up in return of the jedi has one scene and disappears it's true yeah you don't know anything about her but now we find out mon mothma's super interesting yeah, exactly. They took a lot of that, uh, and they uh, did a lot of great stuff with 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 plot and uh, uh, weaving in just sort of like I don't know, just good, just good story beats. It's just good. It was just a good story, just a good good series of stories that I was watching it. <laughs> yeah, I would argue it was four stories. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Because it feels like every three episodes we get a complete shift, which we'll get into when we get to talk about spoilers. But there's definitely. The chunk of the first three episodes, which is just because it's the first three episodes, you get the impression this is going to be the whole series. But no, it ends up Mm -hmm. that kind of resolves itself after three episodes. And then he's whisked away to another planet and it completely shifts tone, plot, supporting characters. Mm -hmm. Like there's this these subplots going on that are connecting it all together. And that's, again, what we're (laughs) going to get into when we start talking about this topic. But the amount of of story that they stuck into one episode or sorry, one series about a character that's consequential but fairly minimal in our exposure to him as far as yeah. the Star Wars uh, universe goes. Like, they just went wild with the fact that they didn't have to connect dots that they've had to do with all the other series lately. I I, I would argue, you know, they don't necessarily need to connect dots in previous series either. Necess- either. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, you got to get an Obi-Wan. He's got to be, he's, he's Obi-Wan. He's going to have some stuff going on that we recognize. But, you know, some other, some other stuff is like, 
you don't necessarily need to have all these connections with established characters in because there's a lot of i mean you know it's a gal it's, it's supposed to be a big galaxy yeah <laughs> and yet we keep running into the same like 10 people over and over again well and obi-wan even did it so strangely because uh, early on we meet the inquisitor who was an established character on clone wars and then they kill him off mm-hmm. and so if you know star wars beyond a certain level and you're familiar with that character enough to be excited that he's included on this series you now know something's not lining up anymore and it's strange. Yeah. And then there's other stuff where it's like, we really want to have him fight Darth Vader. So even though it probably doesn't make sense with the timeline of the series or you have it to make excuses doesn't. that the, the movies and shows don't explore, uh, we're just going to do this anyway. And it's like, is this fan service or is this punishing people who care about fan service? Hmm, good point. Uh, yeah. It's tough. It was tough to tell. And, and, and in a lot of ways, uh, uh, Obi-Wan was a little boring. So, <laughs> and or being a little more, you know, uh, exciting and, and fr- just because f- it felt more fresh that, uh, uh, I definitely recommend you go out and watch it. Yeah. I don't know what the ratings are. I don't know how to find that stuff out anymore, but I <laughs> get the impression Andor is really being like, it's, it's very popular with the people that are watching it. But a lot of people are skipping it because, like you're saying, you were burned out on Star Wars. I think yeah. a lot of people are. Like, even I, going into Andor, like, I feel like I've enjoyed every series up until Andor to mm-hmm. a degree. Yeah. Like, Book of Boba Fett was probably the weakest one for me because it just really didn't make anything overall. Like, it, it just kind of, I don't know. It, it didn't work as a total, but I enjoyed every episode I watched. Uh, I, I skipped Andor, that one. Just, you skipped it completely? Uh, yeah. The only thing you're probably missing out is that they take the Tuscans and uh, they are now like a fully fleshed out species mm, with an good. interesting culture. They um, they were like previously presented as villains, but now they're really much more yeah, sympathetic, yeah. Uh, which is sure. funny. Like Tuscans have been in the majority of Star Wars movies and yet they mm. never, they're in episode one, they shoot the pod racing scene. They're in episode oh, two yeah. when Anakin kills them, not just the men, but the women and the children. Right, yeah. Okay, don't know right. if they're in three. They're in four, because that's where we first meet them uh, in the yeah, world. Yeah. Brief background stuff in six. Uh, I don't think they're anywhere in uh, in five. Oh, that's right, because of the Jabba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jabba yeah, the, the yeah, Tatooine okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. scene. It even, didn't even register that, that how much. Yeah. After humans and Chewbacca, I was going to say Wookiees, but really it's just Chewbacca is it's the Chewbacca. one Wookiee we see in most of the time. Tusken Raiders are like the next most represented species in Star Wars. So that's amazing. Yeah. It's, well, just how, I just just remarking how many movies take place on or parts of the movies take place on Tatooine. Yes. You get a lot of Tuskens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, somehow both the most interesting planet in the universe and also the furthest point from oh, what's his line? Furthest point from anything interesting anyway, or from the center of the universe. Yeah. Anyway, Luke Skywalker was very wrong. <laughs> he had no idea. He was just a whiny kid. Poor Luke. Like, I did not think of him as whiny when I was watching him as a kid. But, like, in retrospect, that's that's the adjective most often applied to Luke Skywalker, especially yeah. he, New Hope Luke Skywalker. Yeah, but he has a, he, he's a character arc. So he gets, he gets away from all that, right? So it's it's fine that he starts off being whiny and, and whatever. Because, you, you know, you know, he's a kid and he's got to just – he's got to go through all these experiences to, to be the Luke Skywalker that eventually drinks that weird milk. <laughs> don't want to go into last jedi other than to say that i really enjoyed last jedi and i know that even just saying that in fact just saying anything on star wars leads to a last jedi argument it's it's sad sorry 
you know, when we get to spoilers, maybe I'll say my my uh, Star Wars is coffee theory. Okay, sounds good. That'll that'll keep people on the hook. We'll get to that later, though. But I want to talk about planning arcs. So, like I was saying, Andor is masterful in this regard because it really is almost formulaic in the fact that it's three episode arc, three episode arc, three episode arc, three episode arc, and then the series is done. And yet it doesn't feel like that. And you get super engaged in it. Plus there is the overarching plot that is told through uh, uh, secondary characters, mostly the villains. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just made me really want to plot out a whole campaign where things are happening. And then we get to the end and it's like, wait a second. I thought this was a heist campaign. We were only heisting for a little bit. And now suddenly we're overthrowing the empire. (laughs) It's good. So, not really re- thinking about how Andor did it, just in general. How do you approach a new campaign when you're planning one? Oh, boy. Uh, I am kind of about a f- at least a 50-50 improvisational GM in a lot of ways. But uh, uh, I do like to think about uh, the most the p- most plotted campaign that I've done recently was also set in a, a semi-established universe, uh, someone else's universe, uh, the Discworld uh, universe basically right because i wanted to run a Discworld game and i had a vague idea for for what it would be about um and so i did start i just start writing things down i guess uh and just sort of getting getting down to sort of like what has happened before the uh, uh pcs arrive at the scene really uh and what the sort of end goal of the of any sort of villain or force or whatever is going to be uh and then just kind of maybe kind of drawing some lines that could happen but not really setting down a whole lot into its plot because especially with like a uh a game you know the the one group that i have is is does get very improv you know very sort of role-playing and improvisation i don't want to like try to nail things down until they give me some ideas about what's going to happen next and then i'm laying down the tracks ahead of the train uh but um often you know when i'm not when i'm not like making stuff up on my own i am i'll often i'll I'll run up like a you know adventure path that's sort of set out now i could go back to uh, uh my uh uh sort of other paizo work when i have planned these things in it you know d- developed an adventure path how do i plan that that's a different story um that is a bit of uh, uh, uh needs a lot more planning of course um but uh sort of the same applies you know where does it where does it where does it what happened before where is it going to kind of end and then sort of some ideas of what could happen in the middle so that's similar to how I plan my campaigns. I, When I say plan, I don't write anything down. I just tend to have sure. a few like keywords of like, this is what's going to mm-hmm. describe this campaign. And then a few landmarks that I definitely want to get to. But I kind of have the same feeling of like backgrounds in a video game where you do not mm-hmm. render that area until it becomes the focus. Until the players get <laughs> yeah, close yeah. enough to it, then it's like, okay, now I need to focus on this and things flesh out. And I got to say, the, one of the most successful campaigns I ever ran had like this amazing story arc in that mm. they were um, they were on a world that had been overrun with undead and they didn't understand how it just kind of happened one day. And then through the campaign, they got access to this magical library and they could get into the books. And as they went into the history books, they were seeing the the history of the continent of how these undead mm. got here. And then by the time they got to the end, all of those little history books linked together, the present mm. linked together and we'd even done like a, a preamble where they were playing characters before the undead. Uh, and mm. so they were back there. They were going to multiple different points in time. 
And I had maybe one page of notes on that, which is the most notes wow. I've ever written for a campaign. And when yeah. the the session, the last episode, uh, sorry, the last, anyway, the last session was done, uh, Jay, who was in my game, was like, how did you do that? And I was like, well, with this one page of notes. And he refused. He refused <laughs> to accept that I had made that many links and stuff just by uh, keeping a couple of important things in my head and then making sure those link together. And the stuff that's underneath the linking lines was not inconsequential, but um, malleable. We could do whatever we wanted with those parts of the game. Right. Yeah. 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 I think it's important to, you know, when we talk about, uh, we're going to talk about approaching a new campaign and and how uh, planning what the story is. It is important to sort of leave space for flexibility. Uh, uh, for what the players want to do and, and and what they have now, you know, if you get yourself a, a pre-printed adventure or campaign, there is still the. I still think you can still be flexible in a lot of things with, with those uh, because they they can't say everything about everything. Uh, but it's also important to sort of let. Yeah, it's important for everyone in the who's playing knows that. Hey, I've got this. We're going to run through this thing that everyone you know this 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 adventure path or adventure series. Um, so you know, expect me to nudge you in certain directions because this is this text that i have the 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 goods for yeah. and uh you know um i i find that most people are, are generally fine with that and they, they they know in advance treating it you know people complain about uh uh, uh railroads but you know i i find that adventure paths and adventure series are are less railroads and more theme park rides in that yeah they kind of have a linear path but you get to look at a bunch of stuff and that's fun and exciting comes at you and or you know dark rides for instance right on in, in like disney world right um that's a, you know you you know there's you're going to be fine by the end of it but like maybe there's a little bit of a dip a thrill you know, something surprises you you know so when you said theme park ride i meant you immediately went to roller coasters and then you were like there's things yeah. to look at it's like what are you doing on a roller coaster <laughs> you're just supposed to be like grabbing on for your dear life and feeling the adrenaline yeah, it, it could be like that too. And yeah. it could be like, you know, there there are there are um gosh, I don't know if you went to like everyone to like Universal Studios in Florida way back. The mummy ride is kind of like a dark ride but also like it also turns into a roller coaster. So you oh, kind cool. of you're kind of going along and it, it it's a, it's it's real it's also very meta. It's about like them filming and you're there and then like they there's like a producer who, who accidentally actually releases an actual mummy curse uh and brandon fraser's on like a tv screen going like oh you're welcome to this ride i guess or something and then oh no there's a real mummy <laughs> it was it's very weird um uh but yeah you kind of do a little bit of that and there's some like dark ride stuff where you know mummy comes out of a tomb or whatever he see the gold and then it turns into a full-blown roll like you go backwards and full-blown roller coaster that's awesome. like 10, you know, like 15, 20 seconds, right? Yeah. So, so I have been to Universal Studios and I even feel like I went on a mummy ride, but it wasn't that one. It wasn't that one. Okay. No. Or if it was, somehow I've locked it out. Then maybe they changed really it. Exciting. Yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe I made it sound, I mean, it's good. <laughs> I like to ride, it may, but I may be making it sound better than it was. I don't know. Now, you're not making it up, though, right? This is actually no, I'm not making it up, but sure. unless I remember it wrong, right. <laughs> but I, I did go there and, 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 and what was on it. So this is, of course, an Essence 20 podcast. And so far, the mm-hmm. Essence 20 games have all been based on these settings that all have mm-hmm. uh, very specific media that they're tied to. So Power Rangers, yeah. G.I. Joe, and Transformers so far with My Little Pony in the not-too-distant future. And when you're planning a campaign specifically for these different settings, you have to consider how you want to explore it, what your players' expectations are for how you're going to explore it. And I've, yeah. uh, 
I've narrowed it down to three different ways you can pace out a campaign and your story arcs uh, based on the media that these campaigns would be based on. So mm-hmm. you've got episodic, you've got ongoing, and you've got a layered campaign, which is mm-hmm. the best of both worlds campaign. Like anytime yeah. I make a list of, oh, there's this or this, there's always going to be one that's going to be a blend of all <laughs> of the above. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in an episodic campaign, mm-hmm. winning you're winning the battles, but not the war. And if you think back on the original G.I. Joe animated series, you never got the sense that this was the episode they were going to defeat Cobra. It was just, there was something Cobra was doing and you had to stop this plot. And you, as in they, the G.I. Joes. Joes. by the end of the episode, if they resolved that plot, regardless of if every single Cobra got away, they usually did, then you still, was a, there was a sense of satisfaction because the plot was dealt with. Yeah, episodic campaigns sort of, uh always sort of return to a status quo uh at the end or, or an equilibrium i guess for lack of a better word you start in one place you kind of get thrown out of whack but then you get end up in the same place but that place is and, and especially in terms of like transformers and joe like is a constant conflict between two forces and if you ever defeat the other force you don't really have a campaign anymore like, you know, there's nothing less for you well you didn't have they wouldn't have a cartoon anymore right, right. they would just be done <laughs> And like an episodic campaign can work for a role-playing game, especially if it's a group that doesn't meet too frequently or you mm-hmm. have a main yeah. campaign, but you like to divert into a different game. Essence 20 is an amazing second game for a group that plays one ongoing campaign of a different system. And so you could always just be like, hey, remember your characters? They were, you know, big, bold, and, and fun. You probably have a very toyetic uh, uh, image of what they look like in your head. We're just going to throw them into another adventure. And as long as there's yeah. the familiar elements and things resolve more or less by the end of it, you can have some light story arcs and character arcs. Yeah. But for the most part, it's the here and now is what's important for an episodic uh, campaign. Yeah, I mean, and especially since role playing games thrive on advancement, change, right? For at least the player characters, right? So, uh, you know, an episodic campaign is not going to be 100% returned to a status quo. You're. The, the the characters are going to get slightly more powerful every time you play essentially uh, more gear more xp or whatever um and uh, uh but the the general shape of the world often doesn't change it's often sort of what happens in a lot of ways too with like adventure past and adventure series is that you kind of have to come back to the beginning you know put everything back to put all the pieces back in the place so that you're established campaign setting or world that you know uh, that other books are going to come out for can relate you know yeah now there's not a whole lot of adventure series that are out there right now but i know that for the gi joe one uh our final boss is not even one of the bosses from the core rule book so like you can you can divert into this defeat that boss regardless of what happens to him he's not one of the assumed ones from the core of the setting and therefore right yeah there's more options for how you can deal with him and move on as though it never even happened and yet it did happen the memories (laughs) the memories are there the memories are there. The XP you got was the friends you made along the way. Now, my second example is ongoing, which is kind of the opposite of it, where it's one giant campaign. It is all one mm-hmm. plot. Uh, so in this one, you do feel like you will one day defeat Cobra or defeat the Decepticons yeah. and return to Cybertron. And it doesn't necessarily have uh, as clean of an arc as an episodic one, because it's a lot more about going with the flow, seeing where your players want to go. And mm-hmm. my example of this is more like the original G.I. Joe comics and, uh, sorry, the G.I. Joe and Transformers comics, where 
it really was like you would have the issue and sometimes the issue would have its own plot, mm-hmm. but it would usually move forward. And there's definitely sometimes you'll go 10, 15 issues where you couldn't really say what that issue you just read was about, but you do mm-hmm. know it progressed some kind of story. Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, it, it, those are I think the ongoing one is tough uh, 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 to 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 pull off well because also it requires everyone to remember what's going on and in, in a role playing game. I mean, you're reading a bunch of comic books, you know, you know, going through a thing like, oh, what am I? Who's who are these people again? Um, so it 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 requires a some like definitely some player investment and and for even from GM investment to <laughs> have enough notes to be able to write these things down to know what's happened and like notes that are constantly changing because you might go with the thing, oh we've if it's say like a sandboxy type campaign you're going all bunch you're you know following this plot through a bunch of different areas in any order you want right you need to be um uh, noticing that this has changed this area of the world has changed or this faction has changed in some way so that the players can feel like they are making progress or at least you know affecting the world at large because i i think that is the one of the main differences between episodic and ongoing is like the, the 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 characters can really feel what they've done, right? You really get an idea that they have made a big difference. Now you said it was harder for this kind of campaign, but I can definitely say that in high school and in college, when I was first getting into role playing games, and I had all the time in the world, and I would yeah, meet, okay. you know sometimes several times in a week, I had no problem finding players with this kind of investment. I had no problem keeping track of the details of the story because it was we were seeing each other more than we were seeing our family at that point the world was <laughs> very much alive in our heads and uh, it was really easy to keep track of whereas now it would be a lot tougher to expect it the you know maybe once a month when we plan on being weekly schedule yeah. that is the reality of uh, gaming in our 40s yeah i do, i do i do speak from my old man adult brain so yeah so this is these are these are the opinions of not a young gamer in any way whatsoever i'll tell you that so then we can have layered which is very much like Andor, which we were just talking about, in that you'll have these arcs that'll feel satisfying and done, but you'll also definitely see how this arc then leads to another arc and you move forward in chunks. And I feel like if you used to have ongoing campaigns and you can't have ongoing campaigns now, but you don't want episodic campaigns, this will make it feel like the ongoing campaigns with the convenience of an episodic campaign. Yeah, because you get to play like maybe like two or three sessions to tell one sort of contained story that has a beginning, a middle and end. And people can feel like, ah, oh, that has come to a conclusion. But then you can also maybe throw in a little bit of like foreshadowing for the next one or a, a, a hint that there's going to be eventually a large, big, uh, you know, a big bad that is responsible for everything that you're doing. Or maybe they know who the big bad is right off the bat. Right. And it's just like, oh, now you're one step closer to getting to where they are. Uh, but it also lets you go kind of like, once you reach the end of a, 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 a one of these little subplots subsections too, you can always be like, if you if we if we never met again, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, uh, uh, everyone be at least satisfied that that there was some conclusions because that's that's always been the the big thing for for me when trying to do something like an ongoing campaign is eventually like I I want to have I want to make I don't want to ever just ever just sort of dissip it just sort of dissipate into nothingness because that sense of story completion isn't there that really it's like a grain of sand in my oyster shell well it's kind of like when you're getting into a tv show and you mm. want every season to have a satisfying ending but you know if it has a satisfying ending <laughs> then there's less like fan outrage that might make a show that was on the brink of being canceled 
get pushed mm. to another season. I don't know uh, how often that's happening anymore. It feels like fan outrage doesn't have the same uh, weight that it used to. But yeah, so you you want it to resolve, but then you also want to really be excited for the next season. And yeah. we just, how many TV shows have we watched that didn't really resolve because they were always yeah. baiting for the next season and it just never happened. Yeah, yeah. That the, the TV landscape is littered with the corpses of those types of shows. And that's yeah. a shame. But there I mean, because I I well, and again, uh nowadays I definitely feel more I'm I'm fairly fine with a show that ends. Like has it yeah. ends on its own terms and it only has 12 episodes or whatever, maybe, or or 10 episodes, and it's then it's done. Like, Gravity okay, Falls great. might be the greatest TV show of all time, specifically mm-hmm. because it did that. Yeah, it got its own ending, yeah. Uh, but the reason I was bringing up all these TV shows that just end on a cliffhanger was not to make us sad for a minute, but to say that as GMs, we have the luxury of having full resolution to a campaign if we want to, mm-hmm. and then continuing on if people are still invested and available. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like these characters? Let's continue. Like, I definitely have gone back to characters too. Uh, that we've played something, play a little something else, and maybe go back to these other characters, uh, you know, months down the line. Be like, okay, now what's going But often in those cases, that uh, uh, aren't necessarily these layered campaigns that have a meta plot. They're just sort of like nice little chunks of seasons, essentially, that don't necessarily connect. Well, and also what's nice about the idea of a layered campaign with our settings is that you know there is a big boss. You know Cobra Commander, Megatron, Rita, yeah. if you're playing Mighty Morphin. So we as GMs don't have to come up with the meta plot. The final boss is already established, and players are yeah. probably pretty confident they'll never actually fight the final bosses, but they sure, just yeah. know that if this campaign really did shoot the moon and got all the way to the end, you know what's waiting for you there. That's true. That's a good point. And this... Just because we know it's these things that we know fairly well, you know. Oh, I didn't give examples of a layered campaign, but I finally got to give a shout out to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, a show that I only got to watch a little bit of when I would go to a friend's house that had that channel. And I would uh, not know what's going on because it was right. overarching episodes, like overarching seasons and things were actually changing. And so we would watch the episode and then we would just talk about what I've missed how the last <laughs> episode I saw connects to this one. Um, it was fine. Like it, I don't think I'd ever seen a show that had an overarching plot like that at the time. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe I've just missed a bunch of good ones, but no, like, we're talking I mean, early nineties. So uh, I was just getting out of shows like GI Joe and Transformers. Yeah. Simpsons was a big show. Night court. Like those were the shows I was watching <laughs> at the time. Maybe they had callbacks, but for the most part, it was an overarching stories where really there were consequences to certain episodes. Did you ever watch Gargoyles? I didn't. Okay. But I, yeah, that, okay, I could see Gargoyles falling in that same basket. Yeah, Gargoyles always had a, had a like a nice, sophisticated, met, you know, overarching plot. Eventually, although it also had lots of little, you know, one-offs. Right. Well, and the reason that I put excuse me, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in layered instead of ongoing. Is because famously it's a monster of the week show, yeah. And so you definitely can say this is the one about X, or this was the monster from that episode, and so you know that like every episode had a beginning, middle, and end of its own, but also contributed to a larger story. Yeah. And then my also in my examples, I threw My Little Pony Friendship is Magic in there because I think it's underrated for its ability to plot out seasons. 
every season really does have its arc. It has its villains. It has the episodes that are purely meta plot update episodes. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then it has a bunch of standalone episodes that are just the ponies having fun doing their lives. (laughs) Beach episodes. Gotta have the beach episodes once in a while. My Little Pony's like 25% beach episodes. (laughs) That's fine. All right, now I'm questioning if I outlined this episode properly. But anyway, so now we're going on to how you're planning based on the different uh, categories of campaign story arcs that you're uh, bringing to the table. Yeah. And for episodic, this is the one where if you can say, looking back on an episode of any of these series that we were talking about, Mm -hmm. this is the one where X happens and it is a definitive big idea that was resolved in that one episode as well. Because it's not like, Serpentor on G.I. Joe. You don't say this is the one where with Serpentor because Serpentor was introduced for a whole second season, but you could say this is the one where Serpentor sends Cobros to collect the artifacts of his various different personalities because they were his favorite things. Uh, that was something that was just this one character did this one thing in this one episode. This, this, is, this is where you get to have more creative license in a lot of ways. If you want to go, this is the, you know, this is the episode session in which we are uh, uh, in a haunted house. And this is the episode where you're in, uh, you know, you go to the beach or this is the episode where it's the, it's, it's some weird time travel nonsense happens. Right. You, so you can just sort of kind of go, kind of go nuts. Now I've got a note here where you want to get it all in. So I ran a campaign one time, a Dungeons Dragons 3.5 campaign where we went to hell. And earlier in the campaign, we'd established that there were seven layers of hell. And mm. we went to three of the layers and that was the end of the plot. And we never went back to hell. And looking <laughs> back, I was like, why didn't I do all the layers of hell? Why did I stop at three? But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I did. And it was just, no, if you're going to hell and you've established how yeah. many layers of hell there are, then you need, you know, to hit every Chekhov's layer of hell. <laughs> I mean, it definitely, if you're going to more than one layer, you should probably go to all of them. But if you're just going to hell and you kind of get about you know, doing the meta, uh, uh, plot that's just about one layer of hell, mm. I think you can get away with that. But yeah, if you're doing t- more than one, you probably should do all of them. Yeah. And it, just to be clear, it wasn't like we were running out of steam after it's like, oh, so many layers of hell, let's just stop at three. No, sure, yeah. the plan was always to stop at three. And yeah, in <laughs> retrospect, that was incomplete. And I feel silly for having done that. That was your plan, not just the whole group. They weren't just... Yeah, as the GM, I was like, here's where the big bad is, the third level of hell, that they have to go (laughs) through two other levels of hell to get to. Nice. Uh, I already mentioned the monster of the week. So threat of the week is in that you want to make sure that you've got some defining personality that they are going Mm -hmm. up against. And uh, in the case of Power Rangers, that's easy because you already have the built-in concept that every single episode has its one big monster that you then have two big fights against uh, towards the end of the episode for G.I. Joe and Transformers, where it's a smaller roster of established characters. And so you couldn't have every single episode be against a unique character, but you can still play within the idea. So you can say this episode is going to be about an esta- uh, a, a Crimson Guard character. And then, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be a very uh, white collar law type thing where you're going to have to sure, be dealing yeah. with sneaking around a lawyer's office. And if you get caught, you are in for some litigation. And then the next week, you can just throw some more uh, traditional Cobra villains at them where it's like, okay, now we're doing the military, the paramilitary that I signed up for. Then you can throw in some Dreadnoughts for variety where it's a little more chaotic, a little more fun. Well, kooky, not fun. It should always be fun. Yeah, sure, sure. It should always be fun. (laughs) 
Uh, I say you should plan the resolution and work backwards. How do you feel about that? Uh, that way of handling an adventure. Uh, Sometimes, yeah. I mean, uh, always working backwards for the end. I mean, there there's some times when you definitely need to do that. Mysteries, you definitely need to kind of like mm. know what they who did it and then work backwards to figure out how that is found out. Um, sometimes uh, uh, the resolution is just defeat the main bad guy, and you might not necessarily have to work that far back work backwards that much because right. you just sort of like this is where they are and if the characters can get there they can fight him and that's the end well when you work backwards you afford yourself the ability to throw in MacGuffins to throw in mm -hmm. just different right. stepping stones to know that you're going to go from interesting locale to interesting locale to interesting locale you know why you're going from you know the inside of a dormant volcano to the arctic circle like mm -hmm. you, you need to uh plan the links and if you go at the end and you go work backwards to know that backwards. it's actually kind of how larry hammy used to write the comics that hasbro would be like mm. here's three toys that we need featured in this episode or sure, this issue yeah. and, all right we've got a firefighter we've got an arctic sled and we've got <laughs> this this evil lawyer okay here we go he just starts working backwards from there awesome and i maybe i should have put this point earlier how long is an episode so is one session one episode, or is it established that every three episodes or every three times you meet together with your group or every certain number of hours of play, that will be one episode? Um, it's not super important that you're consistent. No. It's not like you have to meet syndication guidelines. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, just uh, whatever is good for the group and whatever is good for the sort of the story, right? One episode might be one session long and that's great. And some might be two or three. And, but you know, you definitely want to like, once you start getting into more than a few sessions, I think you're verging on not being episodic. Uh, versus if you're talking about ongoing, you want to establish the goal line early for the end of the campaign mm -hmm. and then just kind of see where things go. So you know yeah. that Cobra yeah. Commander is the main villain in your GI Joe campaign. You know, he's up to certain things and you've got to, you know, uh, reach a certain echelon of G.I. Joe before you are going to be considered right. for the missions that's going to go face Cobra Commander. Now just do all those missions. It's almost like there's a grind, but uh, having it a little more um, player, uh, having a little more player agency in yeah. how they're going about their missions, what they're doing in their downtime. Oh, and you have to then establish like how much of it is the formulaic. You go on a mission, you have your requisition phase, you go yes. off, you complete the mission, you come back. Because... G.I. Joe is honestly, the way we've written the game especially, uh, it lends itself to episodic format. Sure, so yeah. if you're going to do something ongoing, you have to establish some of the tropes within the genre and some of the tropes that we then mimicked into the role-playing game. Where do they fit into an ongoing campaign? Do we have just downtime whenever you're in between missions? Or is it really like we're stringing missions together and maybe you'll get a scene or two? Like how important is the stuff when they're not on missions? And do you even have missions? Or is it just one long deployment to... Limit. You know, yeah. Cobra, uh, not infested, but like a territory that has a lot of Cobra right. activity and you're just constantly scanning for it, finding it, setting yourself on your own missions. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, uh, that that is something you want to establish early, like you said, but also something that you can talk to the talk to the players about to be like hey you know we're doing this sort of like i have this idea of x you know uh it's going to look like this when we get into it and everyone's like well so that people can say oh no i have a problem because i think of a character that needs y and z oh how do we blend that in and, and that kind of thing but uh i do like the idea of sort of like uh dangling lots of different plot hooks 
at, at, at people and like, okay, well, here's some stuff that's here's some problems. Uh, what do you, how do you want to do it? Do you want to take care of one before the other? Do you want to go try to go all at them all at once? Um, and uh, uh, that's the sort of gives definitely a lot of that agency that you were talking about. I also threw a point on here that's uh, similar to something that you brought up earlier, and that is that's more responsibility to keep track of what's going on. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, because you end up, I mean, I've done this, uh, I'm sure we've all done this a little bit here and there, where you maybe say something unusual or offhand that you didn't think you were going to say in the heat of the moment. And then people are like, well, what does that mean? Let's figure out what that is. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, now I have to figure out what the heck I was talking about because I didn't know what I was saying when it came out of my mouth. Um, you can uh, uh, let yourself be guided in that way, too, uh, by the players. But you can also, if that does happen, I, I have got to learn how to do this. But you got to learn how to say, no, what I meant was, I'm sorry, even if it's like a week later or two weeks later, or a month later, whatever. No, sorry. What I meant was that it was, you know, an elevator, not a submarine. Um, <laughs> and I don't know why I said submarine. And I don't really want to do an underwater adventure, y'all. So it's, it's space elevator is what I meant to say. It was up in space. And then Laird is doing both is doing as much mm -hmm. of the episodic stuff as you feel like you need, but also making sure that there is long-term goals, more freedom, and establish just how the campaign, like the, the cadence and the pace that yeah. the players expect from the campaign. If I'm running a longer, like if I know I'm running a longer thing, a lot of the stuff I uh, have been running lately is like a month, a month and a half, two months-ish at most sort of thing. So I usually that's a sort of a, an, a short ongoing campaign in a lot of ways, but like, if I know I'm running a longer one, I, I I think I tend to lean towards the layered stuff. I like to have bits, you know, here's the, this is when this is happening. You got to do this. And, but it's all leading towards a bigger uh, a, a climax. And especially if you're playing a game that releases a lot of material and suddenly mm. you get the new book, that's all about the one subject. Maybe you'll have an episode or two. That's just about that one subject. Yeah, exactly. Uh, at one yeah. point in adventures, which is the actual play that we, the Pathfinder actual play that we also play on the network we were uh, working towards the meta plot. We figured out where our next big goal was and we were getting ready to go. And one episode ended and the next episode began. And before we could leave the town, a murder mystery broke out. And while mm. it was an intriguing plot and there were some interesting characters and a lot of interesting story that we could explore the whole time, I just wanted to get through it to get mm -hmm. to the better plot. And right. so, uh, and it was also like, once that's established, Crystal couldn't take back the murder history. And <laughs> we uh, like, I also, I never expressed that. It was like, oh, I don't care about this. I care more about the thing that we were working towards. So that's just kind of the challenge of the balance of a layered plot where you plan an episode and you, you never know if your players might already be focusing on a more mm, meta plot goal. Thing. That's a, a a tricky thing, uh, probably having a little bit to do with the, 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 the fact that it was, basically you know a pre-written type adventure where you've got to get the players to a certain level before they can get to the mm. end of the adventure because otherwise they won't be able to handle it so it's just kind of like well they do they do here are some things that they do um sometimes it's disparate and whatever sometimes it's you know you have to go through the the whole dungeon and they go through the dungeon and get you to the right level or whatever but uh uh sometimes that that becomes a it, 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 oh. In a six, you know, when it comes down to like number of number of volumes of adventures, right? There's always like we know what the end is, and it it's this level, so we have to get them there. So sometimes some stuff in the middle feels like a filler, mm. um, and that is just uh, sort of an unfortunate aspect of how 
how these how how those products are made. I think, um, which is why I think lately everyone's been real keen on the three volume <laughs> adventure yeah. being sort of shorter and tighter and you get to, you know, get to have the feeling and you get in and get out. And I, I really think, you know, we talked about earlier about like, oh, it's cause we're getting older uh, that we can't just play forever and ever and ever. I, I, I really think that's just a, a full tonal shift in the whole uh, uh, industry in a lot of ways. Hmm. Uh, I think a lot, a lot of people want to, maybe, you know, if you're have the energy and want to play a lot, you, you do, but also people want to play more different, lots of things. Uh, and when you do have that energy, I just want to, you know, do eight different campaigns and I don't want to do each of them for one year and, you know, in a, in a serial way, I want to do them sort of all concurrently. Um, so lots of little short things are, or I think, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just the, what I'm uh, just picking up on, but, but I, I think people like, uh, uh, don't want to do the giant year, year long, million year long campaigns. Well, I'm also thinking like there's a lot of uh, discourse on Twitter or it was on Twitter. I don't know where it's going to be uh, next, but basically yeah. when someone would complain about something lacking in fifth edition, uh, often a Pathfinder player would come in and be like, well, Pathfinder second edition addresses your complaint yeah. and this causes friction. And uh, I've seen it a lot of the yeah. Pathfinder players often char- characterized by uh, fifth edition people, I don't know, cultish and trying to like just lure people away. Whereas yeah. the fifth, fifth edition person is characterized by a Pathfinder player, especially if they're not receptive to the idea, as just somebody who is like uh, single focused and tunnel visioned yeah. into fifth edition. And so I think uh, us as not that fifth edition type player where you're just playing the one system and you're really yeah. only registering one system as the system that it like there is only one role playing game to a certain type, a certain portion of the audience, and it is Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition. And so, um, and that is a huge chunk of the market. So yeah. I do think that there are people actually, and that was, that was me in high school. I only really played Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition, or no, I played second edition <laughs> Whoa, in high school. You're I know, I, I've been in high school for a long time, Jason. Oh no, you're not young. No. Uh, you're just uh, uh, bad at high school. Yeah. So anyway, I, I'm just thinking that I, I do think you have a, a valid point for a certain chunk of the audience, which we that's, happen to fall into. True. But I believe yeah. that there's also possibly even a larger chunk of the audience that that doesn't apply to. That's fair. That's a good point. Uh, none of which are the people we're talking to in this episode. So if you're listening, if you're playing Essence Twenty, odds are you've played several different role playing games. Yes, you've played probably other different plays. You probably want to play all sorts of all the Essence Twenties. You want to play some, a Transformers campaign and then a Joe campaign and then a Rangers and then maybe even a My Little Pony if you want to go wild. Um, which is why you know, sort of, in, in my opinion, you want My Little these- Pony is where it goes wild. I mean, and, and, uh, compared to what Power Rangers and what Transformers and what Joe is, Milo Pony is the outlier. You have it's to admit true. that. It's not wild. It's just a dip. Like if you're if you're into those three things, first three things, you might not be into My Little Pony. You might not be, but you might be the kind of person who wants to just sort of get their grubby little mitts on everything. That's true. And from what I've seen on the Renegade Discord, there's a lot of people that are mixing and matching, and it's oh yeah, there's that too. That's fun. I don't really have a transition or a closing point. So uh, that's that's our topic. <laughs> yeah, planning, uh, planning arcs. arcs, plan them. Get out there and plan your arc today. It, it, for an Essence 20 game or for any game, I think all of this uh, uh, applies. All right, we're going to get into shout outs. Then we'll do our usual call for action. But if you're here for the end or conversation, I've got maybe 10 minutes after this that I can still sure. uh, throw some some thoughts out there. Let's do it. 
I guess so the first shout out is to Andor on Disney Plus. If you haven't watched it, watched it. If you are tired of Star Wars, uh, as it's been presented lately, this is a total different presentation for Star Wars. And you might find it the most Star Wars thing you've ever seen or the least Star Wars thing you've ever seen. I've seen both reactions to this show. Interesting. One way or another, yeah. though, most people I know really loved it. Yeah. We'll talk about why in a minute. I also want to give a shout out to the Full Force podcast. So uh, I've given a couple of shout outs to the Transformers podcast that I've been listening to because uh, I need more information on Transformers just to make sure that I'm getting things right. I don't tend to watch those shows for G.I. Joe because I already know this stuff and sometimes I know it better than the hosts and I get annoyed. Mm -hmm. But one <laughs> set of hosts that really know their stuff is the Full Force podcast. They are more of a news podcast. They talk about the latest happenings in the G.I. Joe hobby. But recently they've been doing a small series because whenever... Um, what's been happening in toys is that by the time a uh, a company is ready to announce what the next toy is going to be. It's mm -hmm. leaked. It's leaked from a thousand different sources. People mm -hmm. have seen pictures yeah. from the factory of this toy in production. And so toy companies are earlier and earlier in production announcing what's coming to the point mm -hmm. that now Hasbro is just announcing, this is a name of a character that we plan mm -hmm. on designing a toy for in the future. And <laughs> so whenever Hasbro has announced a new name, full force is just down the five, 10 minute video of just being like, if you're curious who that person is, Here's our, here's their history. Here's our thoughts. Yeah, no, they're fun, entertaining videos. I got a, a shout out to give this time as well, because I've had some, uh, now that I've, uh, I've had a little bit of extra time on the days that I've gone and started to read the uh, 2019 IDW role run of the Transformers comic book, um, which is a, sort of a, a their next uh, whatever reboot i think it might also be might not be doing it anymore after this, but 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 there's like um five um col collected volumes uh that i'm about halfway through at this point uh and it's really great i, I like it because it it's all takes place on um cybertron sort of kind of before the big war and kind of gives another view of how the Decepticons become the Decepticons and all this, there's like political stuff going on, but also action and adventure and, and, uh, uh, uh you know, uh, uh, character showing up and it talks a little bit about, you know, how Transformers are new Transformers are made and, and stuff like that. And it has a lot of the, uh, you know, sort of every Transformer that has already been sort of introduced sort of now sort of being reintroduced here and there. And it's 2019. That feels like it wasn't too long ago. It wasn't too long ago. Uh, that's when the first, yeah, it started then. And so maybe uh, at this point, there's only five collective volumes and there will be more later on. I don't know if it's still ongoing, but those are the five that I'm going to finish up reading pretty soon. Um, uh, 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 so, but if you're confused, but I had a whole lot of problem confused about what's, where to start. The mm. first one, the Transformers volume one is called The World in Your Eyes. Um, and it's uh, uh, kind of tells the point of view of this newly formed Transformer named Rubble. Uh, who is uh, uh, basically uh, meant Bumblebee is mentoring them. Uh, and so like, oh, here, you know, this is stuff is happening. What's going on? And, you know, eventually you're going to want to choose your alt mode and stuff like that. So it's 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 tough. But then, like, you know, <laughs> bad stuff starts to happen. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, right away. This is just I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, so like the political stuff and 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 it and it references like, you know, the um, the war, the threefold spark a lot uh, and stuff that has happened way even in the past. And it's just uh, kind of really hitting to me like Transformers are very long lived. <laughs> right. Right. They're they live for thousands and millions of years, apparently. And it's just like, oh, gosh, OK, I got I have to really keep that in mind every time I think about how long a Transformer lives. <laughs> 
I am not up to date on the IDW Transformer stuff. In fact, uh, I'm trying to remember the last Transformer comic I picked up. Oh, it was uh, Last Stand of the Wreckers, which is mm. one of the... Uh, it, it was like a miniseries, and it's just about basically the Transformer Suicide Squads when there is mm, okay. a terrible, yeah. terrible mission there. Oh, sorry. A Suicide Squad is in They Don't Plan on Coming Back, not as in the right, DC yeah. Suicide Squad. Right, uh, no, yeah, they're not yeah, villains no, that have reformed. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it tends to take really obscure Transformer characters and give them incredible depth and then usually kill them off almost right away. And so you just... <laughs> Fair enough. Get, yeah, you just get like, this is a character that would get no spotlight at all and now they have had this incredible self-contained arc in this short uh, comic book series. There's two of them. I really should pick up the second one, but I, I enjoyed Last Stand of the Records very much. Hmm, I'll check it out too. And finally, shout-outing... Uh, shout-outing... Shouting out to the 2022 Renegade gift guide. So if you just think of Renegade as the company that produces the Essence 20 games, Renegade does a lot more than that. And if you go to their website and you're not prepared for a a lot of product, (laughs) you might get lost trying to find what you are looking for. Luckily, the Renegade gift guide (laughs) has actually broken things down in a lot of different ways. So uh, it's chunks its category, uh, sorry, it's chunks its board games, it's chunks its CISO stuff, chunks its Power Ranger stuff, et cetera. And uh, it's all cleanly laid out with hyperlinks and a little explanation of what the product is. So if you're shopping for yourself, this is a great guide to just see what is out there for every different product line. If you are shopping for someone that you know is a fan of a different product or a different Mm. uh, brand or a type of game, you can also click on that to to narrow it down. And uh, yeah, nice, pretty pictures. Like I I don't buy a lot of new board games lately, but whenever Mm, I just scroll through the pictures of the Renegade games, there's so many of them that are just pretty and intriguing mm-hmm. and yeah. it makes me wish i had more room for more board games and more time Same. for more board games i mean yeah i'm playing all my board games basically electronically now i i haven't made that jump yet but uh, maybe i should no i've got so many physical board games i should just make planning board game nights more of the thing yeah all right well we're gonna wrap things up except for probably more like five minutes of banter about andor at the Fair end enough Thank you for joining us for episode seven of The Upshift. If you'd like to find out more from us, uh, the No Direction Network, you can go to nodirectionpodcast.com. You go to patreon.com slash nodirection if you want to support us. You can go to uh, the No Direction Discord or the Renegade Discord where you'll find me uh, quite a lot any given day of the week. I also want to give a thank out. uh, Thank you. A thank you to Word Burglar for the use of Letters from Snake Eyes, volume four. You can find out more about Word Burglar at wordburglar.com. All right, Jason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've carved out these five minutes for Andor banter. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like I'm a little tongue-tied tonight, so I don't know. Do you, do you ever feel like you've only got a certain number of words in you? And oh, yeah. when you do a lot of writing, suddenly you're like, I oh. can't talk <laughs> for the rest of the day. I'm out of words. Oh, that's fair. Uh, I've never really experienced that, I say. I'm, I'm uh, often, though, uh, will talk myself out. Yeah, you know, out of those words, essentially. Yeah, um, I'll I'll say this for Andor. Uh, you know, it's Star Wars when you when they make the robot real sad. Oh, like how they make that robot so sad? Why why is that robot so sad? Like, why do they program emotions in robots? robots? <laughs> yeah, that was. I don't that think was they programmed sad. the stutter into him. I think he was just no, no, been around for so long. Not the stutter, yeah, but like the, at the end when he was yeah clearly like a dog essentially who uh, who's missing their master right yeah you know so, um, so i saw him described as the charlie brown of droids 
<laughs> yeah that makes sense that makes sense i like it um yeah uh oh uh i got it oh I, and i called the what they were making in the prison i knew i, I oh was okay like, you called that i called that i was like oh i bet that's i bet that's death star stuff yeah and, it makes uh, sense i i assume that you watch the you, you, yeah you the, the post you're, you're not surprised by me saying the post credit scene yeah it was kind of like oh all right here we go I also like. I saw a a meme about Andor where it's just a, a bunch of dominoes lined up, and the last mm-hmm. one is the destruction of the most powerful weapon in the universe, and the first one is like a couple of Imperials go to a strip club one night. <laughs> it's true. It's basically yeah. Oh no, man, happened. it it's just this incredible journey. So the the four arcs I was specifically talking about. It starts as a murder mystery, although it's yeah. not a mystery because we're in on it. So it's almost we more like a true happen. crime show, uh, and yeah. then it becomes a heist. And then becomes this prison show. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at the end, it's just kind of wrapping up the, the political stuff. But it really yeah. like it changes so quickly when one arc ends to the other to the point that after the heist and he gets arrested, um, I was like, wait, is this a flashback to before the whole series? Like, is this why he doesn't like the Empire to right. begin with? No, it's like, no, we had moved yeah. on to the next thing in order. Yeah, he just got arrested for no good reason and went to jail for many years. Oh, that was so. Yeah, that was kind of amazing. I, I, I except for that one part, I kind of didn't even really like clock that it was like kind of these different chunks. Mm. You know what I mean? It just sort of, to me, it kind of moved pretty smoothly from one into the other. Uh, but uh, you, you make a good point that these are these three, these four, you know, kind of mini arcs in a way. Yeah. Where and if you compare it to any of the other series, like you had the more of a monster of a week putting the teams together for the first two seasons of Mandalorian. Yeah. And they were pretty consistent across both seasons. Book of Boba Fett was a little more all over the place. Uh and it was basically a story told in two different points of time. It was the, the mm, yeah. flashback to he got out of the Zarlacc pit and then he kind of re- recovered and he made these friends with the Tuscans. Uh mm-hmm. while that's being told, the other story of he's now a mom boss. Uh, the the mm-hmm. crime boss of Tatooine and what's going on there, uh, and then um, Obi Wan is really just it's him taking care of Leia like that is it for the yeah, entire arc of the thing. thing. Yeah. He's being hunted by the same people for the entire arc of the thing. So for Andor to be like so yeah. much story concentrated into it because any one of those arcs could have been the entire series. And in fact, I figured the whole series was going to be this murder mystery where they were just uh, tracking him down and he was always outfoxing them. But like, no, at one point they've got him. They've got him for three whole episodes in jail and they're still searching for him. They don't know they got him. I know. It's just like he has it. They got him for something else and they didn't even know that. Yeah. And just sort of like, are they going to find him? And I was just like, at at the end of like the last, the 11th episode, I should say, it was like, Oh, and or don't. No, don't go back to Ferex. Oh, but he's got to go back to Ferex. It's the only thing that makes any sense yeah. story-wise. But don't do it. Stop everyone. They have trying to people tell him. Don't but tell everyone's him. Everyone's going to Ferex. I know. Everyone goes there. Oh God, that so much. And there's such good dialogue. Such good. Such good speech. Oh, yeah. oh the the line about um, fascism is hard. Like I forget the exact line, but the idea is yeah. that. It yeah, looks so it structured and and like organized, but it's actually because they have to fight so hard to stay in power yeah. that yeah, yeah, yeah. there's flaws everywhere that could be exploited. Like, oh, it was so clever. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to see also the bad guy sides of things. Right? Yeah, getting that sort of like they what's it like? humanized a lot of these imperial characters, and you were yeah. like, okay, I understand trying to get ahead at my job and just doing my job really well. It's just that the job happens to be awful. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree that uh, that 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 one guy I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Um, uh, uh, from yeah, the he, early episodes, the one that was in the first uh, episode, he yeah. did a full overreach basically because he was upset. Yeah, I get that he's, I, yeah, I agree that he was humanized, but also I still didn't like him. Like, it, they didn't right. make him sympathetic exactly. They just sort of like, oh, you know why he's doing it. He's not just some cart, yeah, just sort of really cartoon, kind of like those upper echelon ISB yeah. guys were kind of, you know, they're, we're evil. Okay, yeah, you're evil, but that you got to need them to be kind of evil in cartoonish right. in a way. But I mean, the blonde one, like every now and then when she would put another one in his place. It's like, yeah, you did it. And then yeah. a couple of episodes from the end when she's torturing Bix and it's like, and oh like, yeah, oh, you're the bad guy. You're the bad guy. Yeah, that's good stuff. It's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. So anyway, if people are have stuck around for the Andrew spoilers <laughs> and they're still on the fence about it, seriously, it is so good. So oh, yeah. I've seen the argument that it's like trying not to be Star Wars, that it's so different from what Star Wars is. But I feel like early Star Wars was all about innovation and all about mm-hmm. like challenging storytelling. Like Empire Strikes Back, the bad guys win. That never happened in movies. That's true. And yeah. even the the prequels, the fact that we call them the prequels is because we didn't really go to an earlier point in the story with a whole franchise like we did when the prequels came out. Like that established yeah. a whole new way of releasing movies and a whole new like chunk of story that movies could explore. Good point. And then like, I, I don't want to blame Disney because they've done some good <laughs> things with uh, Star Wars, but that specific innovation is something that's been missing from Star Wars pretty much since the prequels. And I'm not even a fan of the prequels, but I at least yeah. admire them for trying something different. Uh, but Andor feels like the first like major innovation to Star Wars in a long time. Yeah, I, I agree. It, yeah, that's well said. Well said. Oh, thank you. All right, on that note, so now that I finally said something well this episode. You did it. <laughs> All right, well, we've already said our goodbyes. So until next week or in two weeks, I'm Ryan Costello. And I'm Jason Keeley. And we'll see you in two weeks for the next episode of Upshift. I didn't stick the landing for the last one. On that one yeah. uh, our theme song is Letter from Snake Eyes number four by Word Burglar. To find it and other amazing tracks, go to wordburglar.com. This has been a No Direction Network production. To find more great gaming podcasts, visit nodirectionpodcast.com. 